Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to everyone who is joining us today. Uh, Whether you're joining us on Facebook, YouTube, Church Online, doesn't matter. The point is you're here and we're so glad that you are here. And I hope that things are getting easier for you. Hope that, uh, you know, as some of the restrictions are starting to ease, that your life is looking better. You know, we can start to go out pretty soon, hopefully, and go out for dinners. I don't know how you guys have been passing the time and you know, I guess I'd love to sound really spiritual, but I've been watching a lot of Netflix and uh, I just want something else to do with my nights, you know. Actually, we were watching this series. It's so good. It's called The Last Dance. And I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's about the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan in the 90s. It's incredible. And they did this thing that kind of irritates me where they, you know, like they air an episode and then you have to wait a couple of weeks and they do another few episodes. And, and so this is how they do it. And, you know, I, I, I just want to watch the whole thing. I just want to see the entire thing. Just give us the whole season, Netflix. Gosh, what is your problem? And so anyway, it's just kind of you know, frustrating, especially, especially, and I don't know if this has happened to you, but if you've been watching something and then you get to the end of the season and there's just some kind of cliffhanger and you're left and you're like, what do we do with our lives now? Like, I don't know what comes after this. Like, I don't know if I can wait another six months for the next season to come out. I'm okay with the show ending. The thing for me is I just don't like it ending on a cliffhanger. I need it to be resolved, okay? So sure, I'm a child, uh, the product of Disney. I, I want the guy to get the girl. I want everything to work out or the girl to get the guy, whatever it is. You know, I don't mind. It can work both ways. I just want every problem to be resolved and I want everything to be peaceful. Is that too much to ask for? I hope not. And sometimes the thing is, is that you've been watching a series and as it's going on, you think, I wonder if they're going to make another season of this. Have you ever had that? And then you go, are we in the middle of this story or is this the end of the story? That's the thing that frustrates me. I don't know if I'm in the, the, the beginning, the middle, the end, Is there another episode? Like, especially if they've just left you hanging, you're like, it can't end like this. There's gotta be something else after this. It can't just be finished here. Man, I reckon that 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 is what life feels like sometimes. Honestly, sometimes we just don't know if we are in the middle of a story or is this how it's ending? Are we in the middle and there's another chapter to come? Will God write another season after this one to resolve all the tension that's in my life right now? Or is this just how it ends? And the thing is, we don't know. I look at the Bible sometimes, and honestly, we read this thing in its entirety. So we see the beginning of a story, the middle of a story, and the end. We read it all. I feel sometimes for the disciples and, and other people in here, we're reading what was happening when they didn't know. We're reading the story as it's unfolding. We know the end, but they didn't know it. I think about that. It must have been so difficult for them sometimes. Like, for example, I wonder how it must have felt for the disciples when they were following the Messiah, Jesus, for three years. 
They've walked around. They've got to know him. I mean, Peter was the first one that said that, right? He said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. And everyone knew it. And they're like, this is the guy. This is the one that Israel's been waiting for. Can you believe that we are his disciples? You know, and, and so they must have been pretty excited up until the moment that Jesus was arrested, dragged before the Sanhedrin, the religious board. They were totally offended by Jesus because he wasn't who they thought he was going to be. They hated the things that he had to say. They, he got dragged before the uh, Roman governor and, and ultimately nailed to a cross, put up there. And I wonder, as Jesus is nailed to the cross and his disciples are watching on, I wonder if they were looking at each other and they had this moment like, is this the end of the story? Is this the middle? We don't really know what's happening right now. Man, what a cliffhanger. They just didn't know what would happen after that moment. I, I want to read a scripture to you today. And this scripture that I want to read to you is typically an Easter scripture. It's like an Easter one that you use. Now, there's no Easter scripture, but it just happens to be the one that is almost read out uh, exclusively at Easter. But I think it's incredibly powerful. It's about the death of Jesus. It's out of John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want to preach a message to you today called the last word. The last word. I don't know if anybody else's kids are like this, but whenever our kids have a disagreement, and I know that you all think that we're perfect parents and our children would never argue, not reality, but no, of course you know that. When they argue and I walk in and I have to break it up, they do this weird thing where whoever is in the argument, they have to have the last word. And I don't know why. The truth is, I was just like that when I was a kid growing up too. But, you know, there's something about this. They just have to have the last word. And I'll come in and I'll sort it out. I'm like, no one speak. That's it. It's quiet. Like, no one talk. That's the end of it. Okay, so I feel like I've had the last word. About 10 seconds later, one of them will say, you. And, and I'll be like, stop. They just had to do it. They just had to have the last word. I don't, I don't get it. You know, if, if it ever gets even a little bit physical, they have to have the last push. It's like the one last touch. You just have to be the last person to touch the other person. I don't get it. There's something about it. They just want to be the one that does it last. I used to have this friend from the um, Ireland, actually. And I don't want to brand the nation, but, but a lot of Irish people, I've noticed that they do this. And so whenever she would hang up on the phone, she would always say bye. 
like a thousand times as she was hanging up. So I would say bye, and then Maddie would say, bye, 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 and hang up. And I thought that is the oddest thing to do. Why would you do that, right? And then I met some of her other friends and they were all Irish and they all did it. I don't understand it. It's like they just had to have the last say or the last word. People do this in SMS chats all the time. You ever been caught up in a messenger chat that just won't end? It's like somebody said goodbye and then the other person said, see you later. And then someone replied and gave them the thumbs up and then someone used the perfect emoji. And it's like, my gosh, for the love of God, just let the whole thing end, all right? I don't wanna be caught up. That's where I switch off. I'm like, I'm having no more notifications. I don't wanna hear about this anymore, you know? But, but I've been caught up in emails that do the same thing. What is it? It's like people just wanna make sure that maybe they didn't offend another person or whatever it is. The last word, it just matters. It's like the last word is like the end of a moment or closes off the moment or, or the end of a season. But there's some kind of finality to that thing. It's like the very end, it's, this is where it just sort of cuts off. When Jesus said, it is finished, I'm like, what? Like, what is finished? What is he talking about? What's, what's finished? Like, if you read the story and you realize what's happened to him up until this point, he was horribly tortured. So I'm like, he's not talking about his life, but it says that he, he said that thing, it is finished, and then he died. But come on, he wasn't talking about his life exclusively. That would be kind of obvious, wouldn't it? I'm about to die. It's like everyone would have known that. It would have been obvious that that was the end. But why did he say it is finished? You know, right before he says it's finished, the thing he said before that is, I thirst. If you read what commentators say about this passage, they say that because of the nature of his torture and how he was hung there, it was likely that his throat was dry and so he said, I thirst, and they gave him a little bit of sour wine. Now, he probably kind of whispered that, like, you know, I thirst, because he planned on saying something very important next. And he wanted to make sure that he had the range to be able to declare loud enough for everyone to hear something very important. So he has the wine. And now he's ready and he says it out loud, it is finished. And after that, he dies. There is something so significant about when Jesus said that. When Jesus said, it is finished, I'm like something had to have been started in order for anything to be finished. You can't finish something that hasn't started. So so if Jesus finished it, who started it? And when did it start? And if you really want to know the answer to that question, you could just get your Bible out and flick all the way back to the book of Genesis. And if you look in, in the first you know, three chapters, you'll see what got started. It's a story, it's so well known. Many people would know it's a story about Adam and Eve. 
And, and if you know the story, what did they do? They disobeyed God, separating themselves from relationship with Him. And immediately that changed everything about the way that people relate to God. And what began to happen is people began to work to get close to God and they instituted different agreements with God in order to be able to approach Him. And Jesus at this moment, He says, it is finished. So from everything from Adam and Eve all the way to that exact moment, that whole story, all the way up until that moment was running. A story that spanned generations, a story that spanned thousands of years. And at that exact moment, Jesus says, it's over. It's finished. This part of the story, I'm closing it off. From the apple to the cross, sin ruled and reigned over people. And it says that as a result of that, it said that death ruled and reigned over people. When Jesus said, it is finished. He's like every agreement that people have ever had with God, the way that they approach Him, the way that the law of the Old Testament, the law that came by Moses, like all of those agreements and everything that's ever been in place. He said, all of that is finished. It's all over. It's, it's done. I've finished it. And it's, you know, the thing is, is that many of those things, they had been there so long that I'm sure that people just felt like they were permanent. It's like you, you don't expect change. Sometimes change comes when you least expect it. I think that's what life is like sometimes. Sometimes we've been dealing with something for so long, we just never expect it to change. And yet Jesus can come and speak final words like He did in this moment. It is finished and everything was dramatically different after that moment. But it wasn't just the closing off of one season and the end of that season. It was the beginning of something new. It was a new arrangement. We call it a new covenant or we call it a new testament. It's made so clear in your Bible that they have a, a page that completely divides your Bible and says all the old agreements with God are in this section. And, and the new agreement that we have with God, the way that we relate to Him, the way that we connect with Him, it's in the New Testament. That's what He started. Now, the Old Testament is so good because what it does is it gives us history, it gives us context, it allows us to see and understand and interpret the way that things are now. And all of that stuff is really good. But everything that we believe about how we relate to God, everything about how we connect with Him is found in the New Testament because the way that we connect and relate to God is under the new agreement that we have with God. And what I'm talking about right now forms the foundation of our beliefs. Every Christian believes what I'm talking about right now. You have to. This is the basic foundation. Now, there's something so powerful about Jesus's last words, it is finished. And the reason why it's powerful is because He said it. I don't know how many times people would have said in time in history, it's finished. How's your drink going? It's finished, not important. It's important here because of the context. It's important here because Jesus is the author of this story. And when the author writes a chapter, it changes the story. And here's how powerful Jesus's words are. 
You know, Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words remain. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will stand. His word is truth. His word is eternal. Everything can change, but his word will stay. I don't know how many of you are just waiting on a promise from God. You've been waiting for God to do something in your life. And I guess we don't always, sometimes we don't hear right. We're not sure if it's from God. And God, was that you? Did you say that? You know, but, but let me tell you this. If you have a promise from God and it came from Him and He spoke it to you, it is more likely that you will wake up tomorrow, heaven is gone and the earth is gone it is more likely that that will happen than for one promise that Jesus makes to not come to pass. His word will stand. Heaven and earth might pass away, but His word, it will remain. It's something powerful about the, when Jesus speaks. Now, when the church started in that new era, in that new covenant, in the new way that we connect with God, when the church started, and when I say the word church, I'm talking about the people of God. It's not a building. It's God's, you know, eclectic community is what they call it. So when the church started, they absolutely believed everything that I'm talking about right now. They believed that this was the new way to connect with God. And I want to read to you a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. And he's explaining something that comes after that foundation that I've just explained. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Now, so he's saying that there is a foundation that we build on and that foundation is everything I just said about who Jesus is and, and what Jesus has done. It's, it's all about the gospel. He then says, Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. That word means it'll become obvious. It'll be plain to everyone. It'll be obvious to everyone for the day. And he's talking about the final day. He says the day of judgment. He says that will disclose it. That makes sense because you would know if we're at the end, if it was able to stand the test of time, if what people have built has been able to stand the test of time. So he says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So now I'm really just kind of explaining this to everyone. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this next part is going to matter to you. So we have... Everything we believe about Jesus Christ and the gospel, that becomes the foundation. And then Paul said, you know what's going to happen is people are going to start to build on that foundation. And they're going to build with their thoughts and they're going to build with their ideas and there's going to be some philosophy in here. And I guess people are going to approach it differently. And if you look through the New Testament, you'll see some of this stuff culminating. Thoughts, ideas, philosophy, how people began to approach 
this new way of connecting with God and this new way of communicating with people and everything about the gospel and, and, and people are gonna try to do it differently. And, and this is so important to understand because, you know, I feel like oftentimes in church, people can confuse theology for philosophy. You know, like theology is what we believe about God. Philosophy is just sometimes how we interpret that context and we make it work in our lives. Like, I don't know when this would happen. And maybe you've been in a church that, that has experienced this. But there was a time when it was, people would have been horrified to discover that there is a drum kit in the church. Yes, I know. I cannot believe it. I was shocked myself when I came in here today that, that there is a drum kit over on the stage and an electric guitar. My God, what is happening here? You know, And there was a time when those types of things were shocking, but that, that's not... That's not theology. That's not theology. That's not, that's not our belief about God. That's how we approach worship. And, and it's about style. Don't confuse style and philosophy with theology. So some people are going to do something different, but the most important thing is the foundation. Now, as you start to build your approach on that foundation and how you spread the gospel and how you communicate that truth, if I was going to put a bracket around that and say, what is that? That's what I would call ministry. It's ministry. And ministry is when we ask God, what do you want to do in this situation? Ministry is when we ultimately, and it really means to serve people, to serve God. That's what it means to add minister, to do ministry, to proclaim who God is. God, what do you want to do in a situation here? Or what do you want to do in a, a situation there? Why am I telling you this? Because when Jesus said it is finished, He wasn't saying that's the end of everything. Just kick back, relax. He wasn't talking about uh, the church. He wasn't. He was saying it's the end of how we relate to God in the under the old covenant agreement. But I'm going to start something new. And Paul is saying, so now we've got the foundation, but it's time to build significant ministry. It's time to do the work of God. It's time to connect with Him and connect with people. It's time to build. And I feel like Paul makes this point in there through all of this, and it's going to be pretty obvious. He says, hey, how it stands is more important than how it looks. It's got to be able to stand. And nothing's going to stand unless it's built on the foundation of who Jesus is. That's why he goes into detail about laying the foundation. So now that we've got that clear, it doesn't really matter how it looks. It does matter if it stands. Paul's overarching big idea here is church, build something. Church, do something significant here. Some people are going to build differently. What does he say? He said, some people are going to build with gold. Some people are going to build with silver, precious stones. You know, when they constructed Solomon's temple, they used all of those elements to construct the temple because they had access to it at the time. Fast forward to the New Testament. And as the, the church is doing the expanding work of the kingdom, and they're probably the ones that are building with straw and hay and wood. You just use what you've got. Listen to me. People are going to build ministry and it's going to look different. Some people have got gold. Some people have got silver. Someone's going to have more of this and others are going to have more of that. Some people have got a grace in this area. Others have a grace in that area. Okay, so don't get caught up in how it looks. You just got to build something that lasts. 
And this is Paul's point. He's saying, come on, it's time to do ministry. Ministry is where we connect people to God. And when we connect the purposes of God back into people, we look at people's lives and we look at their stories and we often ask ourselves the question, are they in the middle of their story or is this the end of the story? And, and that's on us to be able to look at a situation with faith and not just see it for what it is, but think with possibility about how God might be able to transform it. We ask ourselves the question, Jesus, did you have a word to say to this? Jesus, did you want to speak? Do you, do you have one word that could change this context? Are you going to write another story? Don't leave this person's story on a cliffhanger. God, we all want resolution. We all want things to be resolved. God, do you have something to say about this moment? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get confronted with really challenging seasons, really challenging situations, but it doesn't matter what I face and it doesn't matter what I go through. Any kind of ministry that we build, if it's gonna be significant in any way, always gives Jesus the last word. It always gives Jesus the last word. We always give Jesus the opportunity to change it. And sometimes people get discouraged in their faith and they feel like they want to quit and they want to walk away. No, 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 don't do that. If you want to build something significant, you got to give Jesus the last word. Think about this. Every miracle that Jesus ever did, every miracle He ever did was a problem until Jesus had the last word. There it was. Some of them, many of them, permanent problems. They looked permanent until Jesus came and He had the last word. If you look throughout the Scriptures, you see healings. When, when Jesus came and would heal people and, and touch them and cast out demons and, and set people free and all of those problems, they looked permanent. Like maybe they would have to live with this forever until Jesus came and had the last word. And he closed off the season and he said, that's not going to happen anymore. He's changing the story as he, as he speaks to it. He's changing the story as he writes to it. When this great storm arose and the disciples were on the lake, everyone's freaking out and everyone's panicking until Jesus had the last word. And he told the storm to be quiet and it was. And they said, who is this? Even the physical realm and elements in this world, even these things obey him because the author spoke to it. He had the last word. And I feel like in all honesty, sometimes there's this real tension there. The tension is, is this the middle of the story? Or Jesus, do you have a word for this? Is this the end? And honestly, sometimes I'm praying and I don't know. I'm, I'm praying and I'm not sure until God speaks. But it really doesn't matter what I don't know. And it doesn't even really matter how I feel. Because what really matters is that in every season, in every circumstance, I always give Jesus the last word. He has the right to change the story. 
He has the power to do it. I don't always know if He's going to do it, but I always give Jesus the last word on every experience that I have. And if, if you want to minister to people well, if you want to reach the world for Jesus, if you want to see healings happen in and around you, if you want to see the Spirit of God move and you want to see transformation happen in people's lives, you've got to be a person that despite the problems you see, you continue to profess and proclaim that Jesus still has the last word. He still has the last word. But God, you don't understand. Like the, the, This is what I'm seeing right now. This is what I've heard. This is the diagnosis. This is the circumstance. Blink as it is, as difficult as it could be, Jesus still has the last word. Sometimes we, we hear people say things. I've been in a doctor's surgery before and I've, I've heard them say something to me. And I, it's not that I disregard what they say, I, I heard it. I just believe that Jesus has the last word. He has the final authority. He can write any change into stories, the stories of our lives at any point that He wants to do it. Jesus, you have the last word on this. And you know, sometimes the truth is, is we have a, a circumstance, a problem that we have lived with for so long that it feels like it's permanent. Like this is the way it's gonna be forever. I guess I will just learn to live with this. I guess I'll just learn to get my affairs in order. I guess I'll just learn that this is the way that life is going to be right now. And, and I get that, I, I understand that that's okay, but you gotta let Jesus have the last word because His word, it carries weight. He said, heaven and earth could pass away, but my words can remain. And He can close off one season and open another. So listen, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop confessing no matter what it is, no matter what you see, no matter what you're facing, whatever circumstance you're going through right now, don't quit praying because Jesus always has the last word on every circumstance that you could possibly face. And I don't know what it is that you could be going through right now, some of you that are listening to this right now, you have an addiction in your life. It's a private addiction. People don't know about it, but it's there. It's damaging your relationships. It's affecting the way that you connect with people. It's costing you money and people don't know. And you've lived with this and it's a secret thing. And you have someone that is listening to this right now, you have guilt and shame in your life over this situation. This is very real for you. And I guess in some way, maybe you just thought, I will never get through this moment. I will never be able to deal with this. I don't know how to transform my circumstance. Listen, you gotta let Jesus have the last word. Don't just resign yourself in your heart to believe that this is the end, that this is, is the, you know, this will be with you forever. This is the problem you'll always have. No, don't do that. Always give Jesus the last word. Some of you have a diagnosis over your life right now. It's a sickness or, or a disease. You gotta give Jesus the last word. I always choose to believe and continue to confess that the name of Jesus is more powerful than the name of cancer. There's a lot of names out there that they give. It's more powerful than Corona. It's more powerful than a lot of the diseases that we hear. And that's why we always give Jesus the right of reply. He's gotta have the last word. 
You've got to make space and create room and create opportunity for God to speak to you. Some of you, you've got bad backs, bad necks, sore legs. You've got problems that you've been dealing with in your life and you're just resigning. This is the way it's going to be. You started off fervently in prayer. You started off thinking that God could do it and God could change it. But now you've lived with it for so long that you were ready to lay it down. No, don't do that. Give Jesus the last word. Come to Him in the morning and pray to Him and go to Him in the midday and pray to Him and go to Him at night and pray to Him. And every time you do, I know it sounds difficult and I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it doesn't matter how long you've lived with it. Approach Him with the same kind of faith and say, God, I believe that today could be the day. Today could be the day. I give you the last word. I've heard what they've said. I know the diagnosis. I understand that all, but whatever I've got, God, I give it to you. You can have the last word. I, I think of right now, of people who've been going through isolation and I know things are starting to improve, but I said at the start of this season that, you know, we might develop things in this season, issues in the season that last after the season has come and gone. And I think about people's marriages and I think about their lives and I think about their kids, and I think about all of these things that, that could have happened in this season and now there's fallout. Sure, restrictions are starting to ease up, but maybe the marriage was so badly damaged in that season. And right now you're like, I, I just don't even know how to bring it back together. I feel like giving up. I feel like maybe this is the end. Like maybe I'll just walk away. Don't do that. Don't do that. Give Jesus the last word on your marriage. Give Jesus the last word on your relationships. Give Jesus the last word on your finances. Give Jesus the last word on your, on your health, on, on the sicknesses that you've heard. You've got to give Him the last word because I absolutely believe that He is not finished speaking. He's not, he's not done yet. There's more work to be done. There's more ministry to be done across this state, around this nation and around the world. There's, there's so much more to be done. That's why we've always got to give Jesus the last word over everything that we see. You know, I remember back in the early 2000s, I'd finished high school. I had no sense of purpose or direction for my life. I had no idea what I would do. It's hilarious to me that I would be a pastor and I would speak to people and that they would listen. I felt at that stage in my life like I had nothing to offer. And if I didn't already feel like that, I remember there, was, there were long seasons where the enemy of my soul, which I didn't really understand at the time, he said, you're hopeless. You'll never achieve success. You'll never make it. You'll never do anything significant in your life. And I would hear those words. Other people will make it, but you won't, you won't do it. You won't make it. Yeah, I, I guess I heard that. But I just decided to give Jesus the last word over my future. I mean, He can do whatever He wants, right? I remember I started going to church and I wanted to serve and I wanted to get involved. And I started serving on a team and they had this leader that I think in their own life, they must've been going through a really difficult time. But we had this conversation one day where I think I had done something that I thought was helpful. And I remember their words, they said, you will never make it on this ministry team. You will not make it in ministry. 
and I, and I heard what they said, I guess I just decided to give Jesus the last word over my ministry. There have been so many times where I've heard things in my life and I've held the tension of, is this the end of my story? Is this how it finishes? Or God, are you writing something new? And I guess I don't always know when I start to pray, but whatever happens, I always give Jesus the last word. I've heard the diagnosis at different times. We think this is what it is. I mean, even in my family right now, we have someone that's going through something. And it's not like we don't recognise the situation or that we don't understand it. We absolutely do. But we made a decision that whatever we hear, whatever we face, whatever we go through, in every moment we will give Jesus the last word over our lives because His Word carries weight and He can write whatever He wants. And He's got the power to shift and change anything that He wants. And I, even as I say this, I feel like for some of you, You've gone through a difficult season and you hear the words that I'm saying, even now you hear this and your heart tells you, don't believe this. He's overselling it. He's overselling what Jesus can do. It's not, not that you would ever say that out loud. You've just lived with your problem for so long. You just thought it's permanent. You believe that so much that even now the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords could be present with you as He is at this very moment. And even now you don't dare to have the faith to believe that He could change your circumstance. Don't, don't listen to Him. He's overselling it. I wanna tell you that's not true. See, hope doesn't oversell God's ability. It simply points to His possibility. And that's what we do with faith. And that's what we do all the time. We point to the possibilities that God can do. And we don't always know what God is gonna do, but we always know that He's more than able and we don't know when He's gonna act. So we always give Him the right of reply. And I like to bring Him increased opportunities by praying multiple times over my problems because I just wanna make as much room as I can for God to move so that when He decides that it's time, He can shift my problems and my circumstances. And I, you know, I, I just think that that's what faith is sometimes. I do. Faith sees problems as opportunities. Here's an opportunity for God to move. Here's an opportunity for God to shift things in, in the heavenly realms and it's gonna look different here on earth and people will see it and they will know that He is God. Problems are opportunities. Right now, as I say this, there are some of you out there that have so many problems that you're dealing with right now. There are so many things that are going on in your life. Awesome. You, my friend, live in what I like to call a target-rich environment. There are so many opportunities right now for God to begin to shift things and to show the people in your world who He is. So here's what you gotta do. You gotta pray because prayer create space for God to begin to answer some of those. Prayer creates space for Jesus to have the last word. I've heard it. I understand it. I see the situation I'm in. I just choose to give you the last word, Jesus. You know what prayer is? Prayer is, prayer is this connection that we have with God. It's like a lens that focuses God's potential onto our present problems. It's all there. 
I believe 100% that God can do all things. I don't always know when He's going to do them, but I always give Jesus the last word. I want to pray for people today. I want to pray for anyone who has been dealing with a situation in their life. It's, it's difficult, I know. I don't know what it is, but I get it. We've all got difficult things that we go through from time to time, I understand. So I want to pray for somebody that needs the last words of Jesus to end a season that they're in right now. And what I want to do is I want to pray. I'm going to create some space right now for Jesus to have that last word. So there's something in your life right now. I don't know what it is. There's something. It's a relationship. It's your marriage. It's your finances. Whatever it is. Let's create some space for God to move. I'm going to pray. Let's give Jesus the last word together. Father, I pray for every person right now who hears this word and says, that's me. I've been dealing with this challenge so long. I thought it would be with me forever. But Jesus, you have the last word. Your word carries weight. You're the author of our stories. When you write, it changes our lives. Father, I pray for every person right now that needs a situation dramatically transformed. I pray in your name, Jesus, that you begin to move. That Lord, we're going to give you space right now. You, you have the last word on their addiction. You have the last word on that marriage that needs help. You have the last word on that diagnosis. You have the last word on their health. You can have the last word. We give you the space, the time, the opportunity. We confess your goodness, your faithfulness, your limitless power, capacity, and ability. And in Jesus' name, I pray right now that all of the challenges that people are facing, I pray they can hold the tension of whether they know they're at the end of their story or maybe they think they're in the middle of the story. We don't know when the season will end or even if it will end. But God, right now, we hand to You every challenge, every issue, every sickness. Jesus, we ask You to change it. Jesus, we ask You to have the last word and to close off seasons for people's lives today that have been difficult. And I pray, God, that You usher hope in Father, with you, there's always hope. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.